So let me just start with uh, the format of this panel. So I'll just ask uh, each of the writers to read an extract from their work, and I'll ask a few questions to start off the conversation. So that's the first part. And then the second part, I'll pose some general questions for the panel, which they can all uh, answer. And lastly, I'll open up to the audience for Q&A. So uh, let's start with uh, Elaine. I, I understand you have an extract for us from your upcoming uh, collection, so go ahead. Um, I guess, first of all, I just wanted to thank uh, the Georgetown Literary Festival for having me, and thank you all for coming. I know it's lunchtime. We're all thinking about Cha Kui Tiao, actually, at the moment. Um, the story I am going to read for you, a very short uh, excerpt, is um, called Face, and it actually won the Britport um, in uh, 2008. Um, and it won the first prize, but um, and what I wanted to do there was really to explore the Confucian idea of uh, face, mianzi, um, which is you know in Chinese culture a, a very it's a very big thing. Um, but I wanted to do it from the perspective of two um, Chinese uh, women, Chinese Malaysian women. Um, one is so it's basically. The excerpt I will read is a short exchange between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. The mother-in-law is a new immigrant to the UK. The story takes place in London, and a very uh, traumatic incident happened to her on sort of in line in the lines of a hate crime, which she felt uh, was difficult for her to, to talk about. In fact, it's her struggling. It's told from her perspective. And the second Chinese woman is actually um, a second-generation Chinese, born in San Francisco, but relocated to London. And it's a uh, Chinese, I, I mean, she's of uh, Malaysian descent, but she was born in San Francisco. So she is a, we were just having this discussion earlier about whether, you know, are you Chinese-Malaysian or Malaysian-Chinese? And what does that actually mean when you switch those two terms around? So I... Just learned this today that I should correctly identify myself as Malaysian Chinese, meaning originally from Malaysia, but um, I now um, I'm a UK citizen. So you know I immigrated. It's sort of like the 1.5 generation. So this this story really sort of highlights the dynamic between the first generation um, immigrant versus the second generation immigrant as part of the diasporic Chinese. Malaysian Chinese consciousness. Okay, here goes. Um, uh, so Karen is the daughter-in-law, sorry, and the mother-in-law's name is Yoon. Why should Lulu know how to roll spaghetti with a fork? We're not Italian. Karen bangs the saucepan on the stove because this is how some Chinese people take out their frustrations, by abusing their cookware. Yoon sits at the kitchen table and follows her daughter-in-law's movement, always a fraction of a second behind. When Yoon registers Karen at the stove, she's already opening a tin with energetic cranks of the can opener. By the time Yoon makes out the writing on the tin, pitted black olives in brine, Karen is at the sink. What three-year-old can roll spaghetti with a fork, you tell me? Karen demands. She pours in chilled carrot and coriander soup to heat. She turns around. 
Her glare is not directed at Yun, but it lands on her nonetheless. Karen speaks to her in a mixture of Mandarin and English, her Mandarin being stuck at third grade level. Yoon herself speaks little English. She tries to learn by reading words on tin cans and turning on the captions for the hard of hearing on TV. I don't know what you serve her at home. In that tone, Karen takes a dishcloth and swipes at the table. Yoon removes her fingers in a hurry. As if all Chinese people eat only with chopsticks, we wouldn't know how to use a fork if you poked our noses with it. Racist, I tell you. Yoon glances at the shamrock walls, the track lighting, the shining copper pots that pan back her glinty reflection. When she looks at her daughter-in-law, she sometimes looks at the space and the objects beside Karen, more than at Karen herself. It gives her a momentary relief. I know you probably don't understand, Mama, Karen says. London isn't just Wardour Street and Queensway, you know. Can't simply interact only with other Chinese people. Yoon looks at Karen, spooning out the soup, putting a couple of mealy saltines on the side. Chinese people do not eat like this. Karen sets the bowl in front of Yoon. She herself eats a store-bought salad, full of artichokes swimming in oil and the greasy olives, the pits dotting the enameled basin later like watchful eyes. Yun says. I want to go home. Karen stops chewing mid-bite, a sprig of rocket protruding between her lips. But who's going to take care of you back in Malaysia? You might fall down, or worse, die and get half-mauled by a farm dog before anybody discovers you. Karen eyes Yoon steadily. Why are you bringing this up suddenly? It's not about the bladder issue, is it? Yoon sets her mouth in a stubborn line. At home, I can pee whenever and wherever I please. Thanks for the uh, reading your work. And I was just wondering, just to start out the conversation, like, can you elaborate a little bit on your title, The Heartsick Diaspora? What does it mean and why did you choose this title? Um, I chose the title, The Heartsick Diaspora, because a lot of the stories in the collection have this tragic comedy aspect to them. Um, and it's kind of interesting because Italo Calvino, who's one of my, you know, I suppose, influence as well as favorite authors, um, actually says that laughter is... Um, a lesser turmoil. So in some ways, I think that in trying to um, take on subjects that sometimes can be very difficult for the mind or the heart to comprehend, laughter is, is an angle, it's a way to kind of approach tragedy. So there are a lot of incidents um, in here that, are, that have to do with the experience of being a minority in uh, the UK and the US where you're often grappling with issues of invisibility as well as uh, representation. So um, what I really wanted to do was rather than point fingers or talk about um, political issues surrounding race, class, uh, and all of that in political terms, I wanted to do it in terms of fiction and really uh, go inwards. So it really reflected more um, 
my sense of um, my own diasporic consciousness as um, in some ways a fragmentation of psyche. And by that I mean that I see the body itself, the diasporic body as a site for um, the uh, confluence of a multiple uh, uh, stream of influences to take into consideration. Um, I, I, you know, I don't want to try to be um, too overly theoretical, but theory, critical theory in some ways was my way of trying to grapple and come back to an idea of understanding myself. Um, and, and in that sense, I really, what I was, you know, is the, this Paul Gilroy's idea of flows, that identity is not static. It's not, you know, a container where it just remains constant. And in fact, as a part of the diasporic consciousness, the further, the more places I moved to, the further that I, I, I sort of went from my place of origin. But at the same time, it was a nucleus within me that never really changed. So I, and I think I am really interested in that sort of state of flux where the identity, there's a restlessness in that, a hither and thither, you know, that, that happens within that space inside your body, in your consciousness. And so I wanted, um, but there's a cost to doing all of this. There's a sense of fragmentation. There's a sense that your physical markers, race, class, all of that actually begin to matter less and less. And it's really about your experiences as a person and how you negotiate place as well as language, as well as culture in all the different places that I lived in. Um, and in the midst of that, actually, what I was trying to capture was this feeling of, um, I suppose, uh, heartsick, a feeling of sort of being lost and at the same time trying to um, go back or negotiate your strategies of selfhood, Does, if, that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so that was what I was trying to, to capture, really sort of more from an emotional point of view because, I mean, after all, as fiction writers, that's one of the currencies we deal with, the emotions, you know. Um, and, and for me, I really wanted to, the, the book to, to reflect not just the waves of diaspora and how different that is in terms of how diaspora even happens for Malaysian Chinese. Um, and for this excerpt, one of the reasons I wanted to read that was because, you know, I went to the U.S., um, you know, to further my university education. And oftentimes when I met other Malaysians, um, not all. There were a lot that were that went because of, of college studies and academic uh, reasons, but there were also like all these um, legal Malaysian uh, Chinese, uh, you know, um, uh, ex they were not quite immigrants, illegal immigrants in, in 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 the UK, and there was sometimes this feeling of disconnect, even though we were actually from the same country, and so I really wanted. To, I was quite intrigued by that, and I really wanted to think about that, explore that, and really sort of flush out how different those two types of consciousness can be. So not one person can represent the entire you know, experience of what it's like to be Malaysian Chinese you know, in other countries. It's a very long roundabout answer. <laughs> Look, uh, we'll return to this uh, question about diaspora, and that's a very interesting perspective from an Anglophone. I think your Anglophone journey through the US and so on. But now I want to hear about the Sinophone, um, and I turn to Professor T, who is uh, based in Taiwan and has yet researched extensively on the history of Chinese Malaysian literature. So I understand you have a poem to share with us. 
Yeah, uh, Joan, he read a poem of mine. Actually, I just read a very short poem, so it's easy to understand. I'll read it. This is, this is um, a sinophone. I'll read in Chinese. The title is so this is the English translation, Still Fire. The eyes know when love extinguishes, hate remains. There is this, like water and fire spring, like two rivers. Okay, thank you. So I wanted to ask you, uh, for the benefit of our audiences who may be unfamiliar with this body of literature called Mahua Wenxue or Mahua Literature, could you give a brief overview or introduction to the term itself uh, and how it has developed over the years? Mahua Wenxue, yes. Yeah, we couldn't, I couldn't give you a very brief term. <laughs> Within how many seconds? <laughs> okay, um, Two minutes. You know, when you talk about Mahua Wenxue, of course, the first question comes out is always uh, the Hua is referred to Chinese as an ethnic or Chinese as a language. So uh, for me, of, of course, I always try to uh, play with the word. Um, if you are talking about the ethnic um, Chinese writing, I would prefer to use the word Hua Ma Wen Xie instead of Ma Hua Wen Xie. So I reserve the word Ma Hua Wen Xie for uh, Chinese language writing um, in Malaysia. So does it make sense? I wanted to ask you what it means uh, personally for you to uh, study and write about this literature from abroad since you uh, are based in Taiwan for the past, what, 20 years, is it? Uh, more than uh, that? More, 30, 30, more, 30 yeah. more years. So could you, could you speak a little bit about the uh, Chinese-Malaysian literary community based there and your own personal kind of feelings about reading and writing about Malaysia from that, from that perspective? Uh, well, because of the... Okay, sorry. So uh, when you talk about uh, Wenxie, okay, uh, we always talk about Wenxie in Malaysia and also in Taiwan. And then we use the term Zai Tai Wenxie to refer to the Chinese writing in, in, uh, in Taiwan. So um, basically, uh, the literary work published in Malaysia locally is more like um, more realistic in the past, right? They work um, to reflect the society in Malaysia. But in those in Taiwan, they work with sort of uh, imaginary homeland. They wrote about uh, Sarawak and, and the peninsula Malaysia and the political issue in Malaysia from a, a distant, uh, static distance. So that they, they, they use different techniques to, uh, to represent uh, this kind of uh, Chinese writing. So um, you can tell there's a, a difference, actually, uh, the product by Malaysian writers in, in the peninsula or the East Malaysia. Um, they always complain that, why, why don't you write about uh, more realistic things in Malaysia? So uh, this is actually, if you, if you, if you can uh, if you read the uh, literary publication from the two different places, in, so it's more, more uh, related to the idea that Elaine talked about that diaspora. So when you are away from the country, you can write uh, from a distance. So it, that distance might uh, make you more 
closer to what is reality here. But when you are here, you are, there are so many, so many things that you couldn't talk about. So if you claim to be, you are very realistic. And then uh, there are so many, um, you know, things about political issue they couldn't talk about here. So there's so that's the interesting part of Mahawanshe because you have such a discrepancy. Great. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll continue this discussion about diaspora as well. But now let's turn to uh, Ho Sok Fong, who's, uh, who's about to read a, is a short story. Or I'd like to read the, a part of the short story, uh, Much in the Small Town. This is the last story in the collection. Uh, where they put up the text? Or? Much in the small town. So I read first. Okay, um, I will read in the read in the Chinese um, because I'm. How about I tell something about <laughs> about this this short piece? Yeah. Because I stay in the Kedah, Kedah, Malaysia, and there is a very very small town, and only two row of almost two row of houses that form the small small town and and there is a lot of a paddy field surrounding the small town and my neighbors is a, a a small factory that grinding the the paddy so every day except the friday and the saturday uh, almost five days or more in within one week the air is uh, flying with such a very small, 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 small grain. So whenever I sweep the floor, I always feel, oh, this is a small particle, small particle. All the dust is small, small, small particle. And then where will these uh, small particles? They must be, if they are growing smaller, smaller, smaller. If the smaller is infinity, then one day it will just vanish. So, so I. I feel I always want to write the story like this, that, um, that um, everything is uh, formed by the atom. And each atom, because I learned in the secondary school that each atom is, uh, they will be spinning like, like a planet, um, Saturn. So there will be a Paolo Xiang. There will be a many, many phenomena within one small, that means, so I want to write a story that really, really cross like. That means um, our understanding about the short story is there must be a stage by stage, stage by stage that form. And then the the Juti, the Juti, the theme is very clear. But how about I write a story that is a life of a small of a young girl in the if a in a small town? in some sort like a liminary um, stage. Uh, liminary means uh, it is like you are sitting on the door and you feel, you feel the world has uh, two sides. And, and it is like, it is like, uh, it is like you are sitting 
sitting in something middle, and then so you will feel that it's not necessarily to have a very one focused thing, but still there is um, there is some situation of the mind that come back to your to your old old wow. That but beside the old wow, many things is still surrounding you. So I want to write a story that is uh, many small things will be linked together. There will be a link like a 一种盘旋, 回绕,然后这个跟那个可以借得像星座一样这样子的东西, like a astrology on the... Horoscope, constellation. Uh, something like that, yes. Ogata Kachut talk about that, so I pick his her thing. Okay, and um, so I, can I read? They still don't have the text. I think you can just go ahead and read it, and then we will <laughs> so translate it a little I just, bit. Yeah. I just read the Chinese, so. So, Zhen Jian, Chao Zhi Liao, Zhu Ji Tian, Tweetsan 他闷声不响地进去门关了翠衣回到柜台前继续看这一天的名声报在云顶酒店里千万不要把整个橱柜的门拉到尽头总得留下空间给鬼藏身他手臂酸酸的捏着报纸有时会发抖但不是因为怕
running because her auntie running a small hotel in the small town. So she go to stay there for a while. And in, in her teenager years, uh, the story happened that uh, in that March, the, the month of March, month of March supposed to be dry, but that month of March is uh, raining, it's pouring the raining every day. And in that March, there is a very, uh, there is a, a, a guy, uh, a man, uh, keep on wanting to check in the hotel every day. Seems like the man forget that he already checked in before the day. And every day after the second day, the, the man check out of the hotel. Then he come back again, just like uh, uh, he doesn't know he already checked in before. So he keep on repeat and repeat coming back. While the three, I mean the uh, the protagonist, the the the, the young lady, she um, she also has a cousin uh, staying together. The cousin that is uh, the son of her auntie, but he he never felt uh, easy with with her cousin. Uh, so the part that I read is uh, she never felt um, easy with with her cousin, but at the same time. Uh, there is always another another guy, same guy returning back to the counter of the hotel. So he, she, she arose some some fantasy and some and some uh, weird feeling for this uh, repeated coming back uh, young guy. All right. Uh, thanks for that. And let's just uh, move on to Mr. Uh, Tan. Uh, so. You also want to read a, uh, it's a short flash fiction. It, I, I imagine? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would like to read a short story, a short story for you. Uh, in China, uh, in Mandarin, I just have 66 words. And this short story, very, very short story. This morning, I just translated into English by my friend, Dr. Florence Gray. It's 75 words. <laughs> From 66 to 75 words. And this story is, uh, I, I think you all know the uh, Chinese classic, that is uh, you know, yeah, the, west, the journey to, to the West. And in the, this, CUG, there is a, a short section talking about the monkey god and the king in heaven and the Buddha. And then it seems that the monkey god goes there and kachow kachow a lot. And then the Buddha is, go, is asked to, to try to punish this monkey, monkey god. So first time uh, the Buddha say, Monkey, you can jump from my finger. You cannot escape from my finger, uh, my, my palm. That means the within my five finger. Okay. So the uh, Buddha say, okay, you just try to uh, try to jump out and see. So the monkey jump out, turn and then somerset uh, quite a number of times, and then when he down, he still see. The monkey, uh, the monkey see the five pillar, the jail pillar. And then he's right there, 
no, I have to be here, babe. I have to be here and write, uh, write something and then pitch there. So the monkey come back and then see the Buddha again. Then the Buddha say, you, you, you think you can escape from me? So he showed the monkey the word, the monkey right there. This is the first escape from the, uh, from the, the monkey from the Buddha uh, five finger, wearing the five finger. So my story for this one is the, the Buddha give the monkey god, monkey a second chance. So you may try again. So my story is like that. Short one. My, uh, my title is Wukong. So in Chinese, in Mandarin, I write Sun Fang Sun Ho Zi Fan Le Chi Chen Ge Chi Wan Ge Ting Dou Zi Ho Lo Xia. Hai Si Kan Dao Ying Yan Shen Chu De Wu Gen Yi Chu. Zi Ta Chi Le Yan Niao Ye Bu Sa. 只是蹲着讲,说一声,骂了到,时空,老孙不跟你玩了。This time they will say to the Buddha, they say, 时空,time and space.Time and space.So my story will be, time and space, monkey and the God, the Buddha. My, my transition will be like that. Monkey King soon turned somersault for, for thousand and thousand times. He ran smoothly. However, he found out that the, still, uh, the five jade pillar still there, which he, uh, that, was, that he was going to escape from. But still, Present, uh, still present in the midst of the crowd. This time, he got out, got so upset that he doesn't even have, didn't even want to eat himself, and present and 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 mark his present with the engagement. He just simply say, simply scolded Allah. Uh, time and space. I'm not bothered to mingle with you anymore. This is my short story. That means the, the, the thing I want to point out is that monkey, Buddha, time and space. Human being, science and technology, you cannot escape time and space. We are all in the time control in the time of space. That means that's what I mean. Okay. So Mr. Tan, you've written three books about Bukit Bataja, where you're from. So I was wondering what this place means to you, like personally and also artistically. Like why did you decide to write these uh, trilogy of uh, things about Bukit Bataja? Uh, I'm from the town of Bukit Bataja, just over, over the sea. Only. 
and then I was born there and lived there, and maybe I was from there, go away. <laughs> so I have written three books. Uh, no, two and a half books. Uh, the, the, the third one haven't finished yet. The first book is a literary work of Bukit Matajam. That means I am trying to uh, describe BM, Bukit Matajam, from literary words. That means, one shade that. That means we are no, not not like uh, got some imagination and then some one shade the okay. Then the uh, second one is a short story on Bukit and then the third one will be I'm writing a Wuqi, is Wuqi is the Bukit romance, so. This romance will be a novel, and then I'm still working on it. That's the three books that I'm working on. I have a trilogy on Bukit Matajam. And it seems that I'm the only Chinese writer uh, in, in this <laughs> festival, <laughs> in this statement. Okay. So, uh, uh, that was a brief introduction of everybody, and I think what's interesting to me is that everybody has a different base and base in different places, uh, and also based in Anglophone versus Sinophone, uh, writing in different languages. So, with that in mind, I wanted to ask a very general question for the panel. How do you situate your work in relation to what is considered to be Chinese Malaysian, or Mahua, or Hua or however you define the term? So, do you think that term is useful or relevant to your work? And why and how? How so? Anyone can answer this. Talk to you. <laughs> okay. So the question is, uh, how do you think of your own writing or your own scholarship or your own research in relation to what we call Mahua or Chinese Malaysian? Like, what does that term mean to you when you're writing? Well, I would use the word uh, Sinophone writing to save a lot of trouble. Say, say more about that. What, what do you mean by Sinophone? Well, um, Sinophone means Chinese language because of the form, right? If you look at the word, the etymology of the word is form. It has to do with the language and sound. So uh, instead of, well, of course, there's, there's nothing wrong by saying that uh, I write in Chinese. I'm a Chinese writer. But uh, in Chinese, there's no problem with that. I'm Huawen Zhuojia, Zhongwen Zhuojia. You know that you are, you are, you are not Zhongguo uh, Zhuojia, right? But uh, in English, you know, Chinese means Zhongguoren. It also means Huaren. And we all know that Zhongguoren could be Zhongguo Gongmin, could be Zhongguoren uh, anywhere. So uh, you have to explain to your readers or your listeners what you mean by, by Chinese. I'm quite lazy to explain that, so I would rather use the word sinophone in English when I talk about, uh, when I speak in English. Um, of course, I, I, I know that uh, people like uh, my friend, Shumei, uh, try to distinguish the word sinophone and, and Chinese in the sense that uh, those belong to China is Chinese or China. But um, outside China is Sinophone. Yeah, I think that's also uh, there's a quite distinct distinction of the two terms. So 
basically the defense of uh, Chinese as, as a nationality versus Chinese as a cultural stream versus Chinese as a language you write in. I think these are all different things that we're trying to get at because everyone here writes in, uh, not everyone, but uh, three writers write in Chinese. Uh, Elaine writes in English, but they are considered Chinese Malaysian in a way. So that's an interesting uh, thing. We are uh, sort of an ambiguity of the term uh, Chinese Malaysian or Mahua in that sense. So anyone else wants to talk about this? The Mahua Wenxiet to me is, uh, I, I think from, from my generation onward, uh, that means we are born here in Malaysia and then we are going out in Malaysia and then we are educated in Malaysia. Especially the education we 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 taken was by Malaysia in Malaysia. So whatever we write in literature, I think it's very very reflected in our Malaysia identity too. That means the Malaysian Chinese identity. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Maybe what I'll add to that, I think that's actually very interesting for me to hear, um, because the term um, Chinese Malaysian versus Malaysian Chinese, there seems to be a tension between national identity versus your ethnic identity. And that's very interesting because it, it, it sort of, I remember when I first went to study in the United States um, for college, and in the first year, I only hung out with Malaysians and Singaporeans. And then in the second year, I began to hang out with Asians, you know, and a lot more who were Chinese, uh, American Chinese, or, you know, Chinese American. Um, and then in my uh, third and fourth year, it all began to be really chapalang, you know, like, you know, Jewish American, African Americans, everybody's my friend, you know. So I think that that's, it, what's interesting is that that tension between national identity versus ethnic identity um, and was, was that because as I began to adopt or, you know, take on um, a different culture or have a different culture project onto my consciousness, that distance, did it allow, did it sort of in some ways trigger a kind of essentialism where I go back to um, a point of origin that had more to do with my childhood because my parents were really, they always constantly wrote this interesting border. And I suppose the diasporic consciousness is all about borders, in fact. You know, that you take the border inside yourself. Where, you know, on the one hand, I'm always constantly reminded I'm Malaysian, I'm Malaysian. But the reason I had to go to the United States for further studies was because of the Bumiputra policy here, you know. So, so there is that, and then the, on the other hand, I'm also constantly being reminded of all my Confucian values, my ideology, you know. Learn Chinese, learn Chinese, Chinese is about this, Chinese is about thriftiness, Chinese is about, you know, being Chinese is about diligence. It's, you know, and all those things kind of, it's, it sort of sits within you, you know, in this state of flux, um, and, and that tension, it's not, it's, an, it's not always a conflict but I think it is always a process of negotiation. And I find that really interesting um, for you know, people who sort of write in and outside of the cultures. Um, 
and I think Professor T, you were saying something. I thought, thought this was really interesting about how you look at uh, the literature, you know, with outside eyes, you know, sort of your outside and inside, the, the, you know, at the same time. And I think it creates a different kind of way of looking at how you write, for example, even in Chinese. Yeah, of course, I, um, as time goes on, of course, you look at uh, literature in, in, in Malaysia from a different perspective. Um, you know, when, when we write in Malaysia, uh, we always consider ourselves um, Chinese and Malay or, or Indian. So if you look at the uh, Sinophone Malaysian writing, um, one of the unique part is that you can only see Chinese in, in, in uh, Mahua literature, right? You hardly can see other, other uh, people of, uh, of other characters of other ethnic background. So, uh, so it could be uh, the advantage, but it could be the disadvantage of uh, reading Chinese uh, literature in Malaysia. But, uh, but when you are a writer um, in Malaysia, written in Chinese, maybe you are not aware of that. It's quite natural that you write a story with only Chinese characters. But then if you're looking from outside, how come this is a Malaysian word? Even if you translate it in English, right? So this is a uh, Malaysian word. There are only Chinese. There are only Malays. There are only Indians. So I think uh, to be you know, distant from uh, myself from Malaysia, I can think more deeply, more uh, differently from this perspective. Maybe this is um, what you want. Do you have anything to add? Well, I, yes, um, this um, Malaysian Chinese or Chinese Malaysian um, has, has certain meanings to me, but it became meaning to me is during I writing or do after I writing. Um, because I, I have to write from, from the moment I am, where the moment I am is also the place where I am. So I will write because when you're writing, you you need to work on the metaphor uh, with the emotion and with the sentence and with, with many things, a lot of energy in the, in the writing of the words. It must be something true to you, uh, something that you experience, the obstacle that you face in the life. So I will write whenever from the place where I am. So if since most of the time I was in... Um, Malaysia. Only a few years I stay in like like uh, Taiwan and and Singapore. So you will, you you can see that in the collection story, most of the story are are regarding life in Malaysia. Either they are politically or they are not politically. But most of the work that I do is political. So it must be due to very uh, close connect with the Malaysia. Uh, Chinese, so is that? But the con the the concern with this, can I can I drive? Uh, uh, can I can I refer this to the matter of identity, or that is uh, more than identity, or that is something that I cannot be conclude by the word uh, as identity. I I leave that a question because because I found that sometimes when I writing, I want to ask a question that I don't know that I can ask, but. 
we always want to ask the question, and that is not necessarily will be bound by identity question. There could be more than that. And also, I, I feel that, um, um, yes, uh, there is also lately there are some some discourse in the in the social media is quite uh, disturbing for me. Or if you feel like a little bit uh, guilty of saying, oh, I am a Malaysian Chinese, but why should I feel guilty of this? This is, this is where, this is who I am. That is uh, what make me different with, with others. So it, it can say that uh, you should transcend, transcend as a Chinese. But this is not something, it will happen by saying this. This is not something that you can, it will happen even though you say 10 times or 100 times. It's just not happened by saying this. This is something uh, we don't know. It might be will happen in, let's say, 100 years or what, but just not happen now. So, so I don't presume I already, I don't want to have a false, uh, look one, look one. I don't want to have a false. 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 Jia de le guan. Wo yi ge jia de le guan. I don't want to have a false, false perspective. Yeah. yeah. Optimism. Yeah. I don't want to have a false optimism that I already transcend this and I and I can cut the the whole melting pot as a as a whole. No, I know this is not true. So so I I rather want to write with a, a little bit gloomy mode for for some for some uh, uh, problem or or difficulty that we that we have lived in in the system. And so living in here, so how can I step outside the 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 system and look at look look at the system? I feel that it's possible because because when we write we we also learn from uh, learn from many writers. So we also learn from somebody like uh, Anton Anton Chekhov, right? Anton Chekhov, right? When when he wrote the story of some, uh, I I like his story of uh, in exile. Do you read? Any one of you read the story, the short story of in exile? In exile is a story of a two Liu Xingfan, two. Two person who was uh, uh, exiled because of some some reason during the during the uh, politic <laughs> during the historical <laughs> sorry my English is not good uh, two person like a prison they was exiled to a place which is a very 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 rural place near the river and and somehow the way of writing of the story we feel that there is a difficult situation of those exile and they can never across the river and they stay in one side and then they talking of their difficult situation somehow the ambiguity that ambiguous that left in the story will will lead us to see Farther away from the, that is so we can see both the reality and both the, both the, uh, the, their difficult situation, the unable to, to um, 
to cross over the difficult. And this is something the reality. So although it is written in a very pessimistic pessimist, but then you feel something better with this pessimist. It is not always you have to write with happy mood so you so you feel better. Sometimes you feel even better when you read the story with pessimist because you feel it is so good to to be in this. This is so good to be true with this. Something like that. So I think it's it is it is like staying in in here in Malaysia and you know you know at this moment at this year the situation there is many hoo-ha, hoo-ha going in our politics and sometimes so but you still live with this and it is it is very similar to this so the, I want to draw something from that where you're talking about how um, a kind of commitment to like your perspective instead of trying to be uh, an all-encompassing all, all kind of uh, overview of, say, Malaysia, but you focus on your own like uh, kind of perspective, like Malaysian Chinese in some ways, uh, perspectives on the situation. And that, that actually brings out more truth to you than trying to do this uh, sort of uh, general uh, sort of Malaysian identity, right? That's that's all what I'm getting from you. So, but I, I want to I want to uh, focus on that because uh, Mr. Tan has been uh, writing since the 1980s in Malaysia. You've been based here for, and you've been writing uh, short stories, poetry since the 1980s. I was just wonder, wondering if you could tell us more about the local scene, the local Chinese writing scene, uh, uh, the local scene like in Malaysia. In Malaysia, we do have a, a writer, a Chinese Writer Association, which consists of nearly about 250 over members. More than that, I think somewhere 300. And then in Malaysia, the Chinese writing world, uh, especially the Chinese writing world, we have uh, every two years, we have uh, the uh, the what we call the Malaysia Chinese Literature Award, and then, and, and then this is one, one of the award, and then the second award is the Xinjiu Jipao, Xinjiu Daily. We have also a Hua Zhong Wenxie Da Jiang, the the Literature Award, and then recently we have found out that in Singapore. They also have a Chinese, no, a Nanyang Chinese Literature Award. And then this award is quite okay, quite good. And then from, for, you, you, just now you say it's about Malaysia Chinese great writer, uh, Chinese Literature. Oh, every year we, we do have 100 or 200 pieces of work published and then most of them are written by the local that mean local that mean born here and then study here and then work here the youngster in fact for for chinese uh, uh, for malaysia chinese writing uh, in fact we compare to the uh, asian country like like the Thailand, Indonesia, 
Philippines. We find that they do also have some Chinese writing, Chinese literature. That means that Chinese, Chinese write the Chinese literature. But we feel that our future is brighter than them. That's what I can say. What I can say. Okay. Yeah, the reason why I asked about the local is because I think recently there's been uh, more interest in Mahua Wenshe as a in the Anglophone speaking world. Uh, but usually that's that what they mean by that is uh, translated from the Taiwan-based Mahua writers. So uh, Mr. Tan is based in uh, Malaysia and he has a different, a slightly different perspective from that sort of writing. Um, but just now we heard a lot about uh, the term diaspora. So I wanted to ask uh, our writers here. Uh, about this this particular uh, term, because diaspora implies a kind of like uh, attachment to your where you came from, right? Um, and I think even though our writers here are all based, uh, some of them are based elsewhere, like Taiwan and Australia, uh, sorry, Singapore and uh, other places. So, what 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 do you think? Uh, how how does your work uh, mirror something about the contemporary Chinese Malaysian experience? Like, do you does it? Do you think it does? And in, in what in what context does that does that uh, happen, and uh, how do you approach this sort of idea uh, of sort of uh, representing uh, this this particular experience based on your writing? So it's such a tough question. Um, how do you mirror um, the word mirror? You know, actually, I kind of was thinking about this, and I was trying to think of what can I say about mirror. And actually, the, I went, the first thing that comes up, actually, if you look at the, if you search the word mirror, is that the Latin word actually says to gaze at, you know, to look at something. So it doesn't actually say that it has to be an exact reproduction. Uh, nowhere. And even with mirrors, we know that actually what it projects back to you is an image. It does not mean that you are actually seeing yourself the way you're actually, you know, uh, that you actually are. So in some ways, I think there's always an element of slight distortion in mirroring. Um, and I think that that's interesting because as a phenomenon that uh, in some ways, you can sort of see that the, the, the diversity in terms of the voices, and we're all saying it's Malaysian, Chinese, Chinese, Malaysian, but the way with the angle at which we're looking and refracting, you know, just within this, it's, it's so different. Um, and that's interesting, right? That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very... Um, there's a very fertile, in some ways, uh, space um, for, for, for literature to happen. Okay, Miro. Actually, um, yeah, I like your idea of talking about uh, Chinese Malaysian and Malaysian Chinese. And it, anyway, if you put them together, actually, it's chiasmus. It's not, it's not Miro, right? Yeah. The cross is chiasmus. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, back to the Miro question. Actually, it's the question for her Shufan because, you know, lake like a mirror. <laughs> 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 but, uh, no, I, yeah, I like Elaine's uh, saying that, well, when you write, you try to mirror, but that's a distorted mirror. There's no, no way. Um, you know, actually, the, uh, we use the word mirror because of the idea of representation, right? So literature is the representation of reality. We all know the term or the definition. But uh, for me, I don't, I don't believe in that. 
There's, I, I don't think I, I can uh, mirror the reality. Um, so I always try to try to uh, manipulate, try to make um, a society a reality in my work. I try to put a society, twisted them, uh, I make up stories, make up something. For example, I, I, uh, yesterday I, I said I have a story which is um, a makeup entry of Wikipedia, right? You can write an entry of Elenchu, Wikipedia, and then make up a story, someone, um, whatever story you can tell. So, so that's, that's the, the, the pressure of uh, writing fiction, right? So when you are saying that you are writing fiction, there's no way to mirror the reality because when uh, what is reflected on the... The image reflected in the mirror is actually illusion. So instead of uh, writing about illusion, you're back to reality and then try to reflect whatever the moment you write your emotion, your anger, your your happiness, and then the story will come out. Yeah, that's the way I I try to explain the mirror. <laughs> Well, Lake Like a Mirror, this, this title is actually a fun uh, It's a reverse back uh, with the actual uh, thoughts underneath the text. Um, so when I, when I put a mirror, if we, if we see one side of the reality and the mirror, you will feel the visual is just like a split and divided. So it seems to be repeated, but uh, there is a reversion from left to right. In, but I think um, mirror will give us the thoughts, seems like, just uh, explained by Professor T, that it's, it seems like to be very realism reflection. So, but I understand this question as this is not a question for the realism writing request. This is, can be like a skill that, or the craft that we work on in the, in the writing. Uh, how about like a divided uh, character into a, a, a twin, but they are dialectic and they have their rep, uh, represent some uh, different stand or different uh, way of uh, viewing. And there is a contrast in between of them. About this ten minutes, so can I? And this is how I understand. So when we say, "Can we?" This became a mirror to the to the reality. It means that uh, from our craft of work, and we purposely create some um, some fiction, uh, some fiction out of the reality, which which can be a. Uh, uh, either distort or either opposite or either uh, sinister, uh, 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 sarcastic or sinister or some questioning that bring out the question for the reality. That is how I... Uh, yeah. To me, the mirror to is for Malaysia Chinese literature. Uh, this mirror is reflect the Chinese people the Chinese Malaysian, the living star, the way he thinking, the, the especially what they feel about life. 
and then it's reality for how the Malaysian Chinese live in this country, face the economic problem or political problem. And then what we write, what I write, which I think I will be more contribute on the writing to the Malaysia Chinese uh, culture. That means we write what, what we write, the literature work, will be contribute to our Malaysia Chinese culture. That's what I think. Okay. And then our writing also is reflected in our Chinese culture. All right. I have one last question before I open it up to the Q&A. Uh, so this is about Chinese Malaysian writing. And what do you think is unique about it in about Chinese Malaysian writing in either English or Chinese, like in comparison with other kinds of Anglophone or Sinophone writing? What is the what distinguishes it from them? Any thoughts? Um, unique. Well, I I threw in a lot of Singlish. Uh, I threw in Mandarin. I threw in um, Cantonese. I had Hokkien dialect in there, um, and I think that is that something unique to Malaysia, Singapore, this, I suppose, what you call the Nanyang Straits Chinese, uh, um, you know, um, uh, culture. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that a cup, maybe things are opening up in, in, in literature in a way that's really different from the way it used to be. I think 10 years ago, I might have had to fight quite a bit with my editor in terms of not translating those terms for the audience because, in fact, it's only very recently that I read in literary discourse that the other can actually sort of, in some ways, bring to bear the full multiplicity of the linguistic richness in this area without having to simultaneously act as translator um, for a larger audience. And that change of attitude, um, I think, is fairly recent. But it is interesting because, um, in some ways, uh, sometimes when you're negotiating that on, on the page as you're writing that, you constantly sort of ask yourself, you know, because you want to communicate and you're trying to tell a story and you want the reader to really get into the head of your character, the feelings of your character, the circumstances of your character, and you wonder if you do not translate those terms that you're using, um, you know, even the, for example, in, in Singapore at the moment, one of the words that were constantly thrown around at the Singapore Literary Festival was the word lepa in Malay. Um, and lepa, you know, has this very rich connotations depending on the context in which you use it. And that richness, when you translate it, does it uh, get across, you know, or should you just leave it so that all the different meanings around that word, you know, just remain the way it is. Somewhat of a, you know, within the context, the meaning gets across, but at the same time, you leave the mystery, the ineffable mystery um, you know, what Keats called the negative capability. You just leave it there so that if the person who is interested, they'll have to actually go do some homework 
themselves to, to, to try to discover that. And I think maybe this kind of linguistic richness um, can be something unique to, to our particular uh, language uh, or region. Um, since we have only five minutes left, right? so I'd rather be short. I think the, the most unique part, of course, is uh, the, the language part, whether you write in Eng uh, English or Chinese. But uh, if you write in English, you have the more advantages because you have a Singlish, you have Manglish, that you can, you can play around with. Writing in Chinese is uh, rather difficult to, to reproduce the kind of uniqueness of each other. So the uniqueness of uh, Chinese uh, writing compared to the Anglo uh, literature writing. I think it uh, could be, uh, I only realized this uh, lately uh, after the book was translating because during the process there's many, many questions has been uh, uh, raising up, uh, especially by the book uh, when, it, when it is in the process of a produce. And, and I suddenly realized that how much porosity in the Chinese writing including the sentence. And it, this also happened when I was teaching the um, creative writing in the local university because all the Chinese students, uh, they also read some. I asked them to read some uh, 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 literary by, uh, uh, by a different uh, uh, language. And they say they feel that the, there is a different, that there is more there's more porosity, yes. There's more porosity and more ambiguous in the in the Chinese writing, and so it will. Uh, uh, I think this is this difference is so embedded within the languages. So when we so that is more possible for the for the for the Chinese uh, literature writing. Uh, when we say xiaoshuo, xiaoshuo is actually means uh, to uh, fiction post-fiction writing. Not necessarily that uh, the text has to be uh, a concrete uh, story that something happened. It, it could be you describe and describe and then nothing happened at all. But this is, this is the fact of, of the life. And I feel that the Chinese uh, literature writing can be uh, 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 more accept this way, this way of writing. And we can see that happen in the author like uh, CC from a Hong Kong uh, writer and from a, from a Dong Qi Zhang's way of writing and from a Huang Jing Su's way of writing. So many, many writing uh, is actually in this More way. More surreal styles rather than realistic. Yes, yeah. yes. And, uh, but this is also not fair, I'm afraid. I could be not fair for the Anglo writing. I found that there is one Italian writer. Uh, she, he write about uh, a diary of Pilots take off. Uh, Pilots law. Do you do you know this short story? Uh, this inventive uh, diary writing. I think that work by by that uh, uh, Italian writer is very very close to to the prose writing as well. So 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 I still hesitate about just uh, dividing, saying that um, that is impossible for. I think I also read many work in, in the in the Western. They have the process of, 
like uh, Ulysses by the James Joyce is, is very close to that one. And also by the Virginia Woolf, uh, to the lighthouse is also a lot of the uh, park have, have this. Of course, there are more conscious uh, stream writing. I think uh, because I want to need some time for Q and A, is there any questions for, for from the audience? My question would be for for Lars. Uh, <laughs> uh, just wondering, uh, your your works have been published in Taiwan. Uh, what do Taiwanese uh, see in your works? Uh, why do they want to publish works by a Malaysian writer? And why? Uh, what kind of relationship you have with your editor at Aquarius? What kind of uh, work do you actually do together with your editor to actually maybe sometimes adapt the text uh, or change the text to make it a bit more maybe relevant for a Taiwanese reader? Is there some sort of like back and forth relationship that you have with your editor in that sense? Or do you not make any concession at all and do you keep your text as it is? Uh, yeah, just want to know a bit about the editing process between here, a Malaysian writer and a Taiwanese editor. Uh, yes, uh, thanks uh, for the question. Um, yes, when I submit my work to the Aquarius in Taiwan, um, they, they didn't ask me to do any adaptation for the Taiwanese to grab. And I just leave that to the, to the readers. So I leave that question to the readers, probably because uh, the geography is nearer, uh, and also there is already some writers, uh, pioneers in the, in the Taiwan. Of course, they, they feel, they will feel, uh, they will feel uh, more, more strange. They still feel quite strange with uh, a lot of uh, situation in, uh, in Malaysia. But one thing is um, I have an uh, introduction of forward, forward writing attached together with the book when I publish in Taiwan. So I think I actually explain a lot of uh, I not really explain uh, up to the breaking the 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 egg code, not 不是到解破彩蛋的地步, not up to the breaking the egg for the answer. Uh, but some few lines I believe already helpful for the Taiwanese reader to to catch the uh, some of the background in my story. Um, and, and of course, there is a more easier communicate uh, in between uh, us and, and, and Taiwan. But I also found that although we have a more uh, frequent uh, connection through the Facebook with, uh, among the Taiwan writer and the Malaysia writer, I found that there is still a boundary. Let's say um, more readers from Taiwan who buy my books, they are either they themselves are the writers, or they themselves is very, very close with, uh, uh, with a Malaysian student because we have a lot of Malaysian students study in Taiwan. So they could be know some of, but still the readers is uh, quite uh, limited. Probably is because they, they, they feel not interesting about the Malaysian Chinese story. Or they just don't know, don't know much about our background, and I didn't do anything. Try to explain 
the situation to them because I feel that that's what I learned from Hemingway or I've learned from Jacob. That's the dignity of the writer. You try to do your work as good as possible. Sometimes if you load your story with the purpose to, to explain, unless that is happened in nature way, or else it will become a burden to the writing and that spoil the story. Um, I think if they have the question, I agree with with Chiu uh, uh, that they themselves, they should be searching the information. There is a Google, there is a Wikipedia nowadays. Because when I read Anton Chekhov, I go to search on the Google what happened behind the story of in, in Agile. I'm afraid that we have to stop here. And if any questions, the writers will still be here. You can talk to them personally. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for being here. And give a big applause to uh, our speakers today.